ever to the King of Kings. You're the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We bow before you today. We recognize that at your name, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord. You are Lord over all creation. You are sovereign. Your love endures forever. You are forever faithful, God. And it's because of what you did on the cross, Jesus, that allows us to sing to you today. It allows us to communicate with you. It allows us to approach the throne with boldness. We praise you forever. Speak to our hearts today through your word, O oh God. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning to friends old and new. It's so good to see you. Uh, it was just a little bit less than a year ago today that uh, we boarded our plane to go to Senegal, and uh, we are back now. It's been a whirlwind of a visit because um, some people said, um, how was your furlough? Well, that's a terminology for a different world. We're in a school now, so this was summer vacation. This was summer break. And just like many of the teachers and students in here are um, anticipating, maybe? eagerly to get back to school. I'm not sure where you are on that. It is what it is. It's the school calendar. So we will be back on that airplane this coming Friday to start our next school semester. I'm so grateful any time that Pastor Lee asks me or invites me for the opportunity to come and share with you uh, from this pulpit. Today, as, as um, we were leading up to this and I was talking with the tech people and the sound people and different ones, they would say, okay, now, so what's your sermon title? Well, let's just put something to rest right now. You're not getting a sermon today. Amen? Can I hear an amen? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this is not even a devotion. This is a devotionette. Um, what we wanted to do was to share with you. I mean, we've been gone for almost a year. Uh, many of you have followed our comings and goings through Facebook and a variety of other ways. And yet I would, uh, would be uh, uh, wrong to assume that everybody knows so we wanted to use this time to be sort of giving you a report of the what was, but most of all, what will be, what's coming up. That's going to be actually the keynote of this whole day, this morning, this morning. But as a good preacher boy, I've got to have some scripture to put into this. So I was asking the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do the what we did last year, just kind of give a real quick run through. And when I say real quick, you can set your watches on that one. I'm going to make it fast and furious. But how can we, how can we, make a scriptural application to this. And the scriptural application really is intended for me as I was looking through some scripture and thinking now, how best can I cloak this with something that's meaningful? And the Lord directed me to, I just love reading the stories of people in, in the Bible because they were real people. They encountered real difficulties and real successes. Sometimes we can super spiritualize them to the point where we think, well, I could never do that. So I was directed to three people that are some of my, three of my absolute favorites. They're going to be yours too, somebody in this room. I know you are. I'm not going to talk about their lives. I'm just going to talk about one glimpse of one fragment of one point that as I was reading through there, it went, that speaks to you, Steve, and I hope it can speak to you. And if you've looked ahead, if you've gotten your discussion for small group notes and everything, you're getting the fast version of what was in those notes. But the key thing, and this is where I'll park a little bit as we get towards the end of my time, is the questions I'd like for you to talk about tonight in your world and how maybe these, these people's lives would have some resonance with yours as well. And so, got to go, first of all, to good old Abraham, except at the time we encountered him, it's Abram. 
And that was before he had his name changed. And in Genesis 12, 1, and then skipping just a little bit of God's prayer and promise, Genesis 12, 4, we read the following. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I'll show you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And I think this is where the skip was to verse 4. Abram, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And then I, if you've looked at your notes, you see a parenthesis there. I couldn't, I couldn't skip that. I had to put that in there too. His wife was 65, 65 and 75. Now we know that she was 65 because later on, when another uh, huge event happens in their life, it says that he was 100 and she was 90. Now may I say just for a moment, just in passing, if I make it to 100, I don't want to replicate Abram's life at what he happened at age 100. I'm sorry. I'm drawing the line there. For those of you who don't know what you're talking about, just look it up. Um, but no, he was 75. Now, I'm not there yet, but I'm in the same decade. My age starts with the same number. And so here was a man in somewhat advanced age who received a call from God. He heard it, he listened to it, and he obeyed. And if you've had sermons, Sunday school lessons, Bible studies, invariably at some point, it says that God says, I'll show you where you're going. Now, did he have a roadmap? No. Did he have a direction? Yes. That's what speaks to me, spoke to me then, speaks to me now, and I hope it'll keep speaking to me. I don't have to have the roadmap laid out with all of the bumps in the road and all that. And we had some bumps in the road in our world of Dakar, Senegal. And by the way, I think if our tech people are up here, go ahead and put up that first Africa slide. We need to do a little geography real quick. Can we do that? Do you mind? A little quick geography. Oh, there. Oh, who is that? Look at that beautiful couple. Go ahead to the Africa one, if you would, for a second. All right, everybody knows Africa, right? Amen? Okay, go to the next one. There's West Africa. One thing that'll help you remember where West Africa is as a region is we lovingly call it the armpit of Africa for a lot of good reasons. It's tough and it's smelly. But you see right in the upper left hand of that picture, Senegal and a little star on Dakar. Go ahead into the next one. And there's Senegal itself with Dakar on that little bitty finger of a peninsula off to the far left of the screen. And the cute colors are all the different regions. Now hold on to the, don't go to the next one yet. That'll be coming later. But yeah, we had our bumps and our, our, our bruises uh, during this last year. Um, we had COVID shutdowns just like y'all did. I contracted COVID just like many of you did. Thank God it was a mild case, but I had to be in my little apartment for several days, you know, and thank you, we had internet and streaming video, you know, it's just, uh, one thing we had that you didn't have, praise God, is uh, we had some political unrest, and that political unrest helped us to learn the unique sound of tear gas going off, and um, it was simply because one party was upset at the other party, and the party's supporters got angry, and they burned tires in the street, and so forth and so on. So we had to be under curfew for several days. Been there, done that. But as Anna and I have reflected even on that particular thing, I say been there, done that, that doesn't imply that we enjoyed it, but we know how to live through it. We have a lot of young teachers on our faculty, a lot of singles. Um, and to say the freak out level went pretty high at that moment is an understatement. There was a lot of anxiety going on at that, that particular time. A lot of families, young fa families with young children. And so the, the chaplain pastoral side 
was allowed to to show its its gifting for me to and Anne to minister to these to these folks. So I, I say all that to say we didn't know what we were getting into, but as I read Abram's story again, it said, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Follow God even though you don't know where everything's heading. Now flip real quick, not in your Bibles because I didn't have a verse, but the life of Moses. Everybody knows the life of Moses. He was raised in the Egyptian court court uh, as a as a protege of Pharaoh. Due to very poor decisions, he had to flee for his life, and he spent the next 40 years of his life serving as a shepherd with his father-in-law Jethro. And then he has that famous experience we all know well, the burning bush experience. How old was he then? Anybody remember? Anybody in the crowd? He was 80. He was 80 years old when he had the burning bush experience. Now I look at that again, and I'm not so much hoping I'll have a burning bush experience, but that's not the focus God brought me to. The focus God brought me to at this particular point with Moses was simply the fact that when he had his life-changing experience, he went back to a people in a place that he knew. It was his people. It was the place that he knew, but he didn't know the job he was going to do. And I was reading that, and the, the spiritual light bulb went off over my head, and I said, that's it, God. We, were, we lived in Senegal in the mid-90s. Uh, our daughter Lindy graduated from the same school where we're teaching right now, where we're working right now. And so it was back to a place that we knew. It was back to some people, not uh, to, to a, a group of people, the Senegalese that we knew. But the funniest thing happened, we were looking at everything around us through a lens that was 25 years old, and a lot had changed in 25 years. But that idea of Moses, back to a place we knew, people we knew, but to do something that was a little bit different. In his case, it was a lot different. You know, I just had a moment of resonance thinking about Moses and that story with, with us. And then I get to, I, I cannot think of many missionaries I've ever heard speak when they don't get to Paul. You know, it seems like Paul and missions, they just go together like bread and butter. In Acts 16, we are told that Paul was doing business as normal. He was traveling from town to town, and says churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew daily in number. That's 16, 4, and 5. And then the famous Macedonian vision where he has that dream at night and he sees the vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. Now, I've taught this, I think even here to some of the classes, and I've preached it before, is the struggle that Paul went through before that. He had a plan to go to Asia, starting in verses 9 through 12. And the Holy Spirit kept him from going there. So he went to plan B. Plan B was to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus said, nope, you're not doing that either. And so plan A, plan B, and it was at that point before plan C evolved <clears throat> that Paul had that vision. That became plan C. Now, what is the point of this that strikes me, and I hope it gets you too? It says at the very end of verse 12, immediately they got up and they began to leave for Macedonia. There was no hesitation. He, he was like Moses and Abram, listening for God's voice, hearing God's voice. But in this particular case, there's an immediacy to it that was not hesitating. Now, why is that important? Why is it important to act immediately when you hear God's voice? Well, we're human beings. And if we're not careful as we wait and think, we've heard it clearly. We know what we're supposed to do. But we wait and we wait. And then all of a sudden, well, that old famous, I'll get to it, you know, the, the get to it button. And it just doesn't happen. And then it wanes, and then it cools, and then before you know it, well, maybe I didn't really hear God clearly after all. So that immediacy was really important. And I don't know, I won't be so 
proud as to say that we acted immediately, but there was that sense from when we applied to DA, got the interviews with the different uh, parties in the administration, was invited there, accepted, sold the house, packed the bags. It was just boom, 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 boom. Didn't know where all of it was going to end up, but we knew it was right. And that, that's what hits me with Paul. But there's one more segment of Paul that typifies what I think is important for us as we try to live a similar life. When they get to Troas and then they get cross over to Philippi, Scripture says in verses 13 and 14 that Paul expected to find a place of prayer down by the riverside. That is huge. He expected to find a place of prayer. So what did he do? He does what he always does. He goes there. He expected to find people. He shares the gospel. And what do you get as a result? The first convert in the European continent, Lydia, a seller of purple, which means she was probably an extremely wealthy individual. And scripture goes on to say that their entire household was baptized. So here's the thoughts that, that I want to share with you as I surrender my time. Abraham, as I mentioned, followed God without having all the answers. Moses followed at his advanced age, having some similarity to what God was asking him to do, but something different, a different wrinkle to it, but he was ready to do it. But over and over, as I look at Paul, it was that expectancy, that he expected something to happen. And so the questions that you'll see on your discussion guide, I think are appropriate, and I, I hope you'll talk about them. What do you expect when you pray? Or do you even expect when you pray? I've been down that road. There are times I pray out of habit, pray out of need to, pray out of want to, but maybe I'm not really expecting something to happen. Uh, am I actively listening to the voice of God as I think all of these three gentlemen were? Um, and if you're listening for God's voice, are you poised to immediately act? That's a big thing. And then I hope you'll discuss among yourselves, have you ever been to a place where you experienced something like Paul did to hear and to respond immediately? So our response took us across the world to Africa. Your response is not necessarily going to be doing that. And so the place of response is not the issue, but it's the immediacy and the listening and so forth. So there's lots more we could tell about our, our first year in Dakar. Uh, it's all on our Africa Encore Facebook page, but the best is yet to come. And so with that, I'm going to invite my good friend John Lawley to come and take my place lovingly. You're going to grab that one? Okay. And John is going to transition us into what is one of the more exciting things I've ever been a part of. And so, John, it's all yours. I'm going to help move this. Yeah, I don't want to get too close yeah, to you. All right. Thank you, Steve. It's uh, good to have you back. Um, for introductions, I'm John Lawley. I serve as an elder here at the church, and um, maybe, I, maybe I was late to the first meeting, but I was assigned the task of uh, liaison to the mission group, which at the time was led by a one Steve Seabury. So I had an opportunity to spend some time with Steve and talk about uh, all things mission uh, in various uh, ways. Sorry, I got to get my notes here. All right, so um, Steve actually did a nice summary of how they came about. Uh, so he was the director of missions here at the church, 
Uh, then he got that call in the spring, answered that call shortly thereafter with a sense of urgency, and, and off they went. Um, we were the sending church. If you didn't know that, I'll enlighten you. We're, we're the sending church. Steve and Ann were members of our church, and we entered into a, a missionary agreement to send them. And what that looked like is we support them. We, support, we have responsibilities to Steve and Ann to encourage them, to pray for them, and as a church, we you know, provide some financial support for coming and going and moving personal effects and some living expenses. So we are a sending church, and that's really, really important for me because I've never really known missionaries, like really knew them, but Steve and Ann are there. Kyle and Amy are right there. So we actually have missionaries, and if there's somebody else, I just don't know you, but we're glad to have missionaries amongst us. Um, but we do have a new uh, ministry opportunity in the Dakar Academy, uh, very specifically uh, for Anne. And at this time, I'd like to invite Anne to come up and, and join me. So the mission team, we, we still have a mission team. There you go. Um, we've already met and, and, and heard the presentation or been briefed on this opportunity. And I wanted to start with uh, a couple of observations that, that we had that I kind of hope are just encouraging words for you, Anne. Um, and one was, from the, from the Word of God, we're told that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And thank God for people who pick up the call and go into the mission field. So thank you and Steve and Kyle and Amy for, for doing that. Um, the second word was um, just one of a, an acknowledgement of the world system. You know, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. And because we live in the world, we just have to kind of deal with the world. And, you know, Jesus describes in, in Matthew 19 that, you know, with man, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So that's a good word. And then lastly, and specific to you, um, a word from, from Paul, which I know is Steve's favorite. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, do not be an anxious about anything, uh, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present those requests to God. And we certainly, as a, as a group, are praying for you and will continue to pray for you in that regard. Uh, now, our, our group came up with uh, four to-dos. Um, and the first one was the need is large, okay? And Matt, Matt, what a wonderful song. We know that our God is, is always bigger, better, stronger, greater than whatever the issue is that we're faced. Number two, we felt like we should have this time. We should have an opportunity to bring Ann forward so that she can share this opportunity with everyone in the church. Also, an opportunity to invite you guys to participate with Steve and Ann. Um, they are members of our church, and we are the sending church, and this will be an opportunity for us as individuals or family units to participate. And then, of course, the mission team as a church body will regroup after today's service to uh, determine our um, support as a church, as a church body, in addition to individuals. So with that, we'll transition to interview time. Um, so first question is, I guess a lot's been going on there. Steve's alluded to it. So what are the changes that are occurring uh, at the Dakar Academy, now known as DA, I guess, right? 
Okay, well, when we went, um, I didn't have an official job, which was okay, because at that time, our second child, our second daughter, and her family lived in Dakar, so I was pretty pumped to go and be mom and nana. So that's what I went to do, and but after a while, when everybody's in school and busy, that wasn't really quite fulfilled, and I'm a retired elementary principal, so being in a school makes a lot of sense. But I was finding that I was never asked to do anything, and so God and I had a lot of talking, you know, like, what's up with this? Until uh, about March or April, I was approached by the superintendent. He'd had a vision for several years about opening up new campuses, that Dakar Academy would start going across West Africa, because Dakar Academy is the only accredited school in West Africa, meaning we offer the best American education that one can have. And so he wanted it to grow. And so I was asked to do a very special job of opening a new school for Dakar Academy. Now, when he asked me, once again, God and I had another talk, like, okay, I was going zero miles an hour. God, I wasn't meaning for you to make me go 200 miles an hour. You know, I am retired. So Steve and I have talked about it and prayed about it and um, just didn't feel a piece about it because this school is about an hour, a little about an hour's drive away. Now, the traffic in Dakar now is unbelievable, and I don't drive. Uh, the motorcycles weaving in and out, and there's freeway systems when they weren't there before, and so I just don't drive. So the thought of driving one hour to school and one hour coming back, I've been there and done that, and I didn't want to do that. So we went and I told him, I said, no, I don't think this is for me. And so he said, okay. And then that night he called me at home and he goes, okay, what about two days a week and I'll get you a chauffeur and you can do your job on Zoom the other three days. Well, you know, I was still kind of hesitant. He said, now Steve could go with you. We'll get you an apartment. And if you need to spend the night, Steve could go up there. And so I really wasn't feeling real good about it because I was like, why would you want to dilute Steve's ministry by having him come with me? And plus two, why would you want to split a couple up? Because that's not really a good example. We didn't think of a Christian marriage and saying, it's okay to be separated three or four days a week. So we had talked to our girls, and when we told our girls about it, they both went, oh, Mom, that is so you. You have got to do that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So then I talked to my son, and uh, this is going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So anyway, I called John, and I told John, hey, guess what they've asked me to do? I said, and he goes, well, are you going to do it? And I said, oh, I don't know. I just don't really feel it. And this is what he says. He goes, Mom, why would you not? want to have, make something, leave something tangible in the part of the world that we as a family love, and so many kids would hear about Jesus. And I went, Amen. I'm so glad I called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Because it's true. I mean, why would I not want to leave something tangible where so many kids and families will hear about Jesus? Senegal is a Muslim country, and so hearing about Jesus is a, a wonderful opportunity. So that's what so I'm doing. What's, what's your current job title? I have four titles now. Um, I just thought <laughs> I was going to do 200 miles an hour. Um, seriously, I am to start next this year. I'm to start two schools, not only one in Senegal, but one in Liberia. I'm also the interim director of curriculum instruction. 
And then the last one, I'm a teacher trainer. I've got to train someone to take my place because Steve and I only have two more years on our contract. This person has no educational experience at all. So, yes. So, really, which, which job title would you like for me to well, pick? <laughs> so, the point is you have several. I do. So, if we'll move on to slide five. How many campuses uh, are currently in the DA Academy? Okay, Dakar Academy, the central campus, uh, has a little over 200 kids. And by the Constitution set up, it's 70% missionary kids and 30% other, meaning business kids, diplomatic kids. And so we've opened another campus on the other side of Dakar, and it's pretty much just business or diplomatic kids that go there. And so that's on the west, we call it Dakar Academy West. And so we've been living at Dakar Academy Central, and so I will be opening Dakar Academy South. Um, and so you see that blue little dot, that's, that's where the new school's gonna be. And that's what starts an incredible story. So it seems like it's a long way from um, the city city center there. Yeah, I tried why, to get there. Yeah, I tried to get Steve to make a little what are they called campus rows. Anyway, <laughs> it's not. It's about an hour from where we are, and it is on freeway, and so it'll be right off the freeway. So it looks really really far, but it's not really that far. So why there? Why there? Okay, this what, is what, what's going on in that part. This of the is what this is one of those stories that you know God can do it, but you not all of us get to live it. And so I'm getting to live it right now. Um, I said yes, so here we go. And we knew we needed to find a place for the school. And we'd heard from a lot of mission, other missions. We'd heard from a lot of business people. In this area, this is the touristy part of Senegal. And so a lot of African families, Muslim families, have a summer home there, or they've already bought property and they want to move there, but they're not living there because there's no education for their children. And so they live in Dakar. So um, we started looking for property, not really knowing, you know, praying constantly, God, where do you want this? And it was a big area of people that we'd already heard from. And so we got a realtor and we, um, she started looking for about six acres and she came back and she told us it'll be a million dollars. And so we went, well, maybe this is not God's time <laughs> because Dakar Academy is self-sufficient. You know, it doesn't uh, get money really from anywhere else. So we said, okay, maybe it's not time. And so we let it go. Two or three days later, the superintendent gets a call from a, a man in another mission and says, can we come talk to you? And he said, well, of course. So two or three people from this mission came and met with the administrators of Dakar Academy and a couple of our board members. And they said, listen, we have a boarding school, which we knew about it, and said, we can't afford to maintain it anymore. Would you buy it from us? And so we just went, wow, <laughs> because it's exactly where we wanted to put that school. And so we talked and we visited at the campus and and did all kinds of things. And I had met before that day with some of the parents from Dakar Academy West, because they're some of the ones that we'd heard from that have property or have homes in that area that want to move there, that had said, we want to, we want to go there, but we don't have a school, please open it. Now, mind you, these are Muslims that are begging for this Christian school. And so I asked them separately, I said, okay, so how far are you willing to drive? Because we've heard from people from a big area. 
And they said, well, every one of them said 30 minutes. I said, okay. And so now this school comes, and so we just signed, since I've been home, an agreement. And this mission said, we'll let you have the school for three years before you start paying us. And we were like, wow. It has everything that we would want on our campus. We really believe that this school will be bigger uh, than our central campus because of things are going to happen there. And I'm So the pictures that are scrolling through, this is that... Okay. Yeah, at different times, this is what this school looks like. This is, um, yeah, this, it's, there's rainy season pictures, there's dry season pictures, there's pictures of it when it first opened, and so you kind of get an idea. It's very, very rustic. Sure. Well, um, as as a member of the mission group, when, when we were hearing this story, we didn't have the pictures. <laughs> um, and so you, you just kind of immediately fall into a, well, we're talking about, you know, property in Parker County or something. Um, you need the pictures to really understand the kind of what's going on, whether it's in Uganda or, or um, in Senegal. So where are you currently in the process of getting the campus? Okay, so when we realized that we were going to go for it and uh, we looked at where the property was located, it's 30 minutes from everybody. And it's right off the freeway. It's exactly where we wanted it to be. And so we all, we just sit there and just in awe at what God has done and is doing for Dakar Academy. So um, we are to the point now where we were talking about it when we knew this is the direction we were going to go. I said, we, we went and looked at it and we, you know, we have to own, or this, we usually own our own transformers in Africa. And so this school has their own transformer. They don't have quality internet. They don't really have quality electricity or water. I mean, it is very, very rustic. And so we left there going, we're gonna have to get the fiber optic cable from down the road up to this campus. We're gonna have to get a bigger transformer to support all of the computers that we would need. And the first thing I said is we will have air conditioners in the classroom. Because <laughs> so, I'm finding the heat's bothering me now and it didn't used to, but anyway. Um, and so we needed to get a bigger transformer to get, just get it up and running. We need to build or drill a well and have a water res uh, reservoir tower built just to get it open. And so I'm talking to everybody and I said, okay, so how much is that gonna cost? And so they said, well, we haven't done research, but we think about $500,000. And I went, okay, I'll go home and raise it. And they went, and I said, well, look what God has done already. Why would he not give us $500,000 if he's given us this school? And I said, now, mind you, I'm a good Southern Baptist little girl, and I only know how to raise money for Lottie Moon. So, <laughs> so I'm not, I don't know how to really fundraise. So that's what I've been doing is I just came home, and I'm just sharing this story with people, and I'm letting God take it. That's God's school. That's not my school. That's not Dakar Academy school. That's God's school. And so that's where we are now. And, you know, when we heard this message, um, our advice to, to Steve and Ann was to just tell the story. You know, God works the way God works. His economy is different than our economy. And we just need to be uh, faithful and obedient. And, and Steve and Ann need to be faithful and obedient and just tell their story here in this body and everywhere else. Um, and so it, it just feels like there's an opportunity for us as individuals to, 
you know, see where God's leading us to support the various missions that our church supports as individuals. Um, and then others, uh, hopefully, will we'll join and, and help you guys in ways beyond this church body. But that's, uh, that's the final question here is how can we, we help partner with you? Well, I think one thing that I forgot to share that's uh, about Dakar Academy is at our central campus, there's 32 different nationalities of kids that go to it. And so what we have found is that Dakar Academy is not a school. Dakar Academy is a mission field. And so we have an opportunity to touch so many countries by just being at Dakar Academy. So where are we right now? I need to raise $500,000. <laughs> and so um, that's what I'm asking. If God has touched your heart right now with this story and you feel like you want to join us, please do. Um, I, I've never, even the 17 years that we lived in West Africa before, I didn't see God moving like this. So this is something that we need to do. We've got to do this because the number of people that will hear about Jesus that would never have an opportunity, this is one of those times. Amen. And our, our, our committee asks some questions around the, the Muslim students because the, the drive to be there is the education, right? You gotta have the education in order to have the job and, and they wanna pay to be there and Steve serves as a chaplain, so he gets to participate in the chaplain services, and they have Bible classes during the week, so they get to hear the good news about Jesus. And it may be an intellectual exercise, but it's not for us to figure that out. It's just our job to be faithful, to deliver that word through Steve, through Anne, and they deliver the word of Jesus, and it resonates in people's hearts, and their lives could be possibly changed for eternity, and it's a wonderful blessing. Well, Steve, if you'll come up here for a moment, I'd love to pray for you guys, please. I can't lower the mic, but I can, I can hug you and touch you both. Dearly, Father, I just am so grateful to be with Steve and Ann. Uh, what a blessing it is for them to have answered the call to the mission field. Father, I just pray uh, protection over, uh, over their hearts. Father, I pray encouragement. Um, as you ask us to do so many things, Father, you present opportunities for us, and you ask us to, to ask those questions and, and to seek your guidance and to knock on those doors. And Father, I just pray that you give just a clairvoyance, uh, just a direction, um, just make things known as they go through this process. And Father, I just, I just pray that we want to be in your will. And, and my prayer is that we find that space where you're already moving the leaves and the trees and you're going before us to conquer the evil one. And Father, I just pray that uh, that, that happens for Steve and Ann and that they uh, enjoy the presence and the peace that only comes from your precious son, Jesus. Thank you for their service and bless their ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.